0: But I want you to take your Bible and open to Joshua chapter 3. And if you're visiting today, especially if it's your first time, relax. I am not the regular guy. So, hey, it, it only gets better. Come back. I promise you, come back. And you'll be glad you did. My name is Walt, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And I, this is highly unusual. I was just thinking, uh, rarely, I mean, many times, my wife, Carol... Will be at Clear Creek or be in Chattanooga, and I'm not able to be with her. It's rare when I'm here and she's not, but she she would certainly be here. We have six of our ten grandchildren here this morning because uh, one of our daughter who lives in Knoxville, uh, she and her husband and family, four children, came down for for a ball game, and Amy and Tom convinced them to stay over for church today, and they probably didn't know I was preaching either, but. Um, they, uh, they are here, uh, of course, with Amy and Tom Jackson and Caroline and Charlotte, and then another son-in-law. We've got three of our four sons-in-law here this morning because one's on the first leg of a business trip, and uh, he, I, I hitched a ride with him down here yesterday, and he'll leave from here and go off on his trip. And then Aubrey has got to be in Nashville for a meeting today, and he, I'm going to hitch a ride with him back, except he warned me. He said, now, he said, I've got to get to Nashville. And if you preach overtime, I'm gone. (laughs) He really wanted you to know that if I preach short, thank him, okay? Because he's the one who really encouraged that. I never preach long. It just seems that way is the way it really works. So, um, but it is always a thrill to be here for lots and lots of reasons. Not only family reasons, but uh, I just just love this congregation and uh, thankful for what God's doing here thankful for the encouragement i've already received by being a part of the the song service and the communion service this morning and uh and i'm thankful for josh uh who is somebody that i've known his entire life and loved dearly and thankful for the the way he loves this congregation and the excitement he has for what god's doing here and i hear i hear that so many times in so many different ways now pop quiz it's gonna be a fill in the blank when upon life's billows you are Tempest tossed out. Let me pause here just a second in the pop quiz I don't know how y'all talk down here in chattanooga But up in nashville, I all week. I went all week never heard anybody say i'm tempest tossed What does that mean tempest tossed? I mean, that's that's one of those old fangled things. say, man, the world is crashing down around me I am i'm in the middle of a whirlwind I've been I feel like i've been hit by a cyclone or by a tsunami and, and, and it could be that there are people even here this morning, you may never have used the phrase tempest-tossed, but you know what it is to feel your life being just turned upside down and inside out, and you may be right in the middle of something like that, or you may know somebody in the middle of something like that, but, but let's go on. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many, name them and it will surprise you what the lord has done count your blessings name them one by one count your blessings see what god hath done count your many blessings name them one by one count your many blessings name that god now, that's, a, that's a, an old song, a classic song, but it's, it's true. But you can't count what you don't remember. This is the beginning of a new series, and, and Josh told me, he said, the series is, uh, and you, you got it right there on your, on your program, the cost of not, the cost of not forgiving, the cost of not, and there, there are several other ways to fill in that blank, but today it's the cost of not remembering and i know all of you were at least offered and many of you picked up a stone or a rock when you how many raise your hand if you got one just keep it in your hand please thank you okay you know i've been warned said wall you were crazy to put a rock in everybody's hand and and you know i asked uh I asked some of our grandchildren last night, I said, what do you think we're going to talk about today if everybody's going to get a rock when they enter the auditorium? And, uh, you know, we could be talking about when Stephen was stoned. We're not going to talk about that this morning. We could talk about uh, the time when uh, the woman was caught in adultery and brought before Jesus, and they were ready to stone her, and Jesus looked at the crowd and said, let the person who's without sin cast the first stone or we could talk about the time when after the triumphal entry he had gone into jerusalem on what we refer to as palm sunday and uh the people were all upset because even the children were praising him he says let me tell you if people don't praise the lord even the rocks will cry out i mean there are a number of different references to stones and rocks but there's another one that's found here in joshua chapter three and if you've got your Bibles open joshua has taken moses place and he's taken his place very recently moses has not been dead long he had led the israelites out of the land of egypt and through the wilderness for 40 years really because of the lack of faith of the spies who went in years earlier decades earlier and god said all this unbelieving generation is going to have to die off before the people who really have faith are ready to go into the promised land the land that flows with milk and honey but that's a whole different story because now they are still on the other side of the Jordan River but they are about to cross the Jordan River for the first time into that promised land that it's taken hundreds of years for them to get back to and this is all a part of the history of God's people But here Joshua is about to lead these people. Look in chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. Get yourselves ready. Because tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now that's that's a powerful verse. Because first of all, it tells us what our job is. And secondly, it tells us what God's job is. Our job is to consecrate ourselves, get ourselves ready, put first things first, concentrate on the things that are really important. And if we do what we're supposed to do, he says, let me tell you, God's job is to do amazing things among you. You say, well, wait a minute. We're we're talking about something that was written thousands of years ago that was spoken to an entirely different group of people. Well, Jesus essentially says the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, he says it differently. Joshua says, consecrate yourselves. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness you know that verse god said i mean joshua says consecrate yourselves jesus says seek first the kingdom joshua says tomorrow god's going to do amazing things among you what does jesus say seek first the kingdom that's our job and all these other things will be added to you that's god's job that's what he promises and he is preparing these people to go across the Jordan River. The problem was the Jordan River was at flood stage. In fact, some people estimate that it may have been a mile across. What was usually a small river or even a large creek. Now and during the harvest season was at flood stage and probably a mile across. And they're thinking, how can we possibly get across there? And Joshua tells the priest who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the most treasured piece of furniture on the planet. The piece of furniture that represented the presence of God himself. And you know what Joshua told him to do? You set your feet in the water. Now that would have been ridiculous if all you're depending on is common sense. Who wants to get near a raging body of water at flood stage, especially with something you can't possibly afford to damage and you certainly can't afford to lose it. And he says, I want you to put your feet in the water, and as soon as you do, you'll see God work. And what happened was, up near a a, a city called Adam, which was about 19 or 20 miles north of where they were, much farther than they could ever possibly see, God started piling up the water. And all of a sudden, the water just before them just continued to drain away until it was completely dry ground. And all the 2 million Israelites crossed the Jordan River on dry riverbed to end up on the other side in the promised land, not far from Jericho, where the first battle would take place. They set up their camp at Gilgal. But God told them, you look, look in verse 8. He tells there, that when they reach the water's edge, go and stand in the river. But then look over in verse 2 of chapter 4 he says, after they've crossed over, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And so he picked out a man from each tribe, and he says, "You go back down into the water, I mean, not not into the water, but into the riverbed, because the water was still gone. And here, you're going to to get to where the priests are there, right in the middle, waiting for everybody to pass. You pick up twelve stones. Now, my guess is the one that you're holding in your hand is a lot smaller than the ones they picked up. But let this for a minute represent one of those stones." and he says when you pick up one of those those stones you got 12 men bring those stones out of the riverbed and then look over in chapter 4 verse 20 joshua set up at gilgal the 12 stones he built a monument he stacked these stones and it became a monument a memorial so that they could remember what had happened and he's and they had He said to them in verse 21 In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord. Now, these stones became a stone of remembrance. Letting people, the children would see it. Tell us about those stones. They could tell the story all over again. They could tell the story about the, the time when God at flood stage allowed the Jordan River to dry before their very eyes and they all were able to cross over on dry ground, which is very similar to what he had done 40 years earlier when the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea because they were being chased by the, by Pharaoh, Pharaoh's Egyptian army. And he says, these stones become a reminder that your God has taken care of you. Now, quickly look at one more passage with me flip back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read this and I want to share with you a couple of stories before our time is up. Now Deuteronomy was the, was the last message Moses gave to the Israelites. And many people think It's the compilation of three messages that Moses gave during the last week of his life. And so if you're talking about when Moses died and then when Joshua took over and was about to lead the people into the promised land, it's really a very short period of time from what Moses says here in Deuteronomy 8 and what Joshua is experiencing in Joshua chapter 4. But I want you to listen to what what god tells to the israelites through moses. Look at verse 10 Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 10 and think about how much of this might apply to any of our lives And how costly it can be when we choose not to remember the things god wants us to remember when you've eaten And are satisfied Praise the lord your god for the good land. He has given you Be careful that you do not forget the lord your god failing to observe his commands his laws and his decrees that i'm giving you this day otherwise when you eat and are satisfied when you build fine houses and settle down when your herds and flocks grow large your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and to test you in that, land, in that end that it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, now look, listen to this, you may, say, you may think, you may say to yourself, my power the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me but remember the lord your god for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to you swore to your ancestors as it is today and then look at verse 19 if you ever forget if you fail to remember the lord your god And follow other gods and worship and bow down to them. I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So he says, anything you can do, anything you can do to enhance your recollection, your remembrance, it is so costly to forget. It is so costly to make the mistake of thinking, the reason I'm successful is because I work hard. The reason I have what I have is because, you know what, I did the right thing, I made the right decisions. No, the reason you are what you are is because God has chosen to bless us. You know, the, the, the best, you know, this is a, the, the stones are a tangible reminder. But another tangible reminder is what we experienced just a few moments ago. We were led beautifully to that point in time when Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life. But all of that was instituted when? When the apostles gathered with Jesus the night that he was betrayed to celebrate the Passover. Now, what was the Passover? The Passover was another annual feast that was established way back in the book of Acts. And, and not Acts, the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, when God was about to deliver the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage, and he has the ten plagues, and the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And he says, the Lord's going to pass through, but if the blood of that male lamb, a year old without blemish, is on your doorpost, I'll pass over your house. And the Israelites were spared. And the Israelites were delivered from Egyptian bondage. And every year they were called to remember it. That's the reason, as many of you know, the date of Easter changes. It can be in March, it can be in April, it can be as late as it was just last Sunday. Because it's it's tied, not to the calendar you and I are familiar with, it's tied to the Jewish calendar. Because it's tied to Passover, because that's when Jesus was crucified. You say, well, why was he crucified? Because you read in the New Testament... That some of the Jewish officials said, we've got to kill him. We've got to get rid of him. But we're not doing it during the Passover because the crowds are going to be too big. We're not going to be able to control it. But they weren't calling the shots. Because as Paul would later write to the Corinthians, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. The Passover that we read about in Exodus, the Passover that was celebrated by the Jews all the way through the centuries, that Passover was ultimately fulfilled. It was a prophetic reminder that someone, some male without blemish was going to have to shed his blood to set us free, not from Egyptian bondage, but from the bondage of sin. And whenever we take the unleavened bread and we take the fruit of the vine, we're called to do what? Remember. Remember. The cost of not remembering is a cost we don't want to pay. And so, let me mention, we we mentioned the the stones of remembrance, we mentioned the Passover feast, we mentioned communion that we celebrate on a regular basis every Sunday when we gather together. Let me suggest something you may want to consider doing with that rock that you're holding in your hand. And I learned this, actually, I, you know, I'm sure she didn't invent it. But my mother used to take little rocks like this. And when something would happen that she wanted to thank God for, she'd take a sharpie or some kind of a pen and she would write a word on that rock. And she'd set it somewhere that she could see it on a regular basis. So when she would see it, she'd be reminded God is alive. God is at work. God is blessing. Because it is too costly not to remember It's too costly to take those things for granted. It's too costly to not be reminded That god is watching over us. We do it when we take the lord's supper But we also can find other ways to do it You know, i've i've got these two rocks in my hand and they they've each got a name on it This one has got the name sam sam back in january I get together with a, a brother in Nashville. when we're both in town, on Friday mornings, we always meet and have a good visit and a cup of coffee. One Friday morning in January, we met. Later that day, he called me and he said uh, he said, "We're at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital." My three-year-old grandson, whose name is Sam, just started having terrible, terrible pains. We don't know what's wrong. It could be a tumor. It's never, it's shown no signs before now. Test earlier the next week confirmed that not only was it a tumor, but it was a tumor that was so large it was inoperable. The test came back saying it was very malignant, very dangerous, a very life-threatening tumor. But how are you going to get it out because it is so large and it's wrapped around so many different integral parts of the inner entered a part of his body that it would probably be not only life threatening it would probably be impossible for him to survive the surgery so they came up with said we're going to give him three months of key, of radiation and see if we can reduce the size of that tumor so that they can operate and he so on a regular basis he'd go in for those radiation. In the process, he turned four, lost all of his hair, went through all of that. This same granddaddy, who lives about 15, 20 minutes away from his daughter and son in law and three grandchildren, one of whom is Sam, would get up and drive out into the country and park his car within sight of their house about four o'clock every morning just to spend an hour in prayer. Praying over that house, praying over that family, the whole church at Brentwood Hills, where this family is very actively involved, prayed. The preschool where this boy was a student they, they prayed they, they prayed constantly. People prayed all over the place. They did the three-month test. the tumor had reduced in size considerably the surgeon said we can now operate the operation was scheduled for good friday just last friday and the operation took about five hours and during the last part of that i'd I'd, I'd had the privilege of being with the family and praying with sam before he went to surgery and i watched him fall asleep in his mother's arms Scared to death because he didn't know what was going on. He didn't understand it. He was just in a place that had become all too familiar to him and he didn't want any part of it. And I was in that waiting room at Vanderbilt Children's last Friday afternoon, a little after five o'clock in the afternoon. And somebody said, Here comes the doctor. And we all stood up, but we looked across the the room. And you could see the doctor. He was the only one in a white coat. And he's walking across. And he's still in his scrubs. And put a white coat on top of it. And he's walking across. And he's got a big old smile on his face. And he says, I think we got all of the cancer. And I don't think there was any collateral damage. And all of a sudden, this, this ovation broke out there. And we were just reminded god answers prayer god still answers prayer you know and and you know this this one has the name ron that's a that's that's a young man who's probably now at about 30 years of age who grew up in a home that that where he hadn't touched alcohol until he went off to play college basketball and he said the peer pressure and the desire to be a part of a group He said he allowed it just to absolutely derail him and to make a long story a little bit shorter he became seriously affected and even addicted to alcohol and he said over a period of time it was ruining his life and an an automobile accident just about killed him left him on the side of a highway laying in a ditch on early on a Saturday morning when his parents were called and, 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 and realized our son has a serious problem. And over a period of time, he couldn't even come back to church. He was so ashamed. He was so ashamed. And last Sunday morning on Easter Sunday, he spoke to a Sunday school class of a couple of hundred people and told his story. And he told, and the reason that I've got a, I've got a, a rock with his name on it is because he told about how... One Sunday morning, he wanted so badly to go to church, he'd been so afraid to go to church because he was afraid how he would be accepted or not accepted. And he walked into the church building. And across the lobby was the man who had taught him in the fifth grade Sunday school class. And he said, when I saw him, I started crying. And when he saw me and knowing a little bit about the struggle I was going through, he came over and embraced. And he says over the past few years, that has become an inseparable bind. Where this, this man who's almost old enough to be his daddy has had such an influence on him and has loved him and spent time with him. And as a result, other people have rallied around him. And today he has been clean and sober and alcohol free for, a, for, a, for years but gives God the glory because God works through people. He works through people who love, who love unconditionally and who never give up. And and those stories can be replicated over and over and over again, but we don't need to forget them. We don't need to take them for granted. We don't need to overlook them. And it may be that you yourself can think, you, you can take a rock and you can take a pen and you can, you can put a name on it or you can put a scripture on it or you can put some other word on it that reminds you, I have seen God work because God worked in Joshua's day and God worked in the first century and God works today. And the more we can be reminded of that and the more we realize we can't forget it, we can't overlook it, we can't take it for granted, we give him the glory.